0: Good morning. Uh, so I'll confess starting out that uh, these kind of sermons are not normal and um, they're not taken taken from the text of Scripture. Um, and it's a little bit of a challenge for me to uh, reference Scripture for, for example, whatever Whatever I think uh, was happening 400 and whatever years ago, let's see, 15 and 5 is 2. Uh, yeah, 500 years. Just about exactly 500 years. Uh It's hard for me to uh, have the time or... Uh, Be able to take verses scripture to apply to whatever is happening. Um, Laverne, can you help that? Um, so I'm, I'm going to start with, uh, two, two passages just to read. The one, the one verse is on the board. The top line's a little hard to see. Um, Galatians 2, 8. That's not it, 328. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So that that verse relates to um, some of the beliefs of uh, That people struggled with in the 1500s uh, the place that people have in society in the church um, economic issues uh, are, are people created in God's image are they equal in value how should they be treated um, and then ephesians 2 of uh, 8 and following these verses relate uh more to the to the issue of salvation for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god not of works lest anyone should boast For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, So salvation is by grace, the grace of God, extended in Christ to everyone and is accessed through faith. Uh, that is not, um something that people manage for themselves, not of yourselves. It's a gift. And it's not the result of human works, not of works. Uh, lest, lest we boast. Uh, in God, we are His workmanship. Uh, He's accomplishing a beautiful, uh, maybe idea would be painting. Uh, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works or unto good works. So good works, the result of faith. Um, so there's a lot of issues there I won't go into further now. So um, I have five issues this morning, and these these were huge issues in the 1500s and I'm going to try to give uh, three or four different answers to these issues the answers that were given back then and I I also am aware that uh there're things going on uh today this afternoon and I need to be uh abbreviated so I will try Maybe I should say this. There was uh, I preached this sermon last Sunday at uh, Floyd. And I noticed, I don't know the people there, some of them very well, and there, I noticed during the sermon that there was somebody um, <clears throat> sitting on the right side on the aisle in the middle, about halfway back, and he was very attentive. I didn't know who he was. And uh, some of the things that I said about about... Catholics, he was all into, which fascinated me. Uh, his responses looked like uh, he, he nodded his head quite a bit and was very engaged. And uh, afterward, he came and said that he had uh, grown up Catholic. And, and it just, uh, I think, connected with him that I was saying things that he knew was true. That was that was very interesting. So the first issue I have here is uh political, social and economic issues. So uh, start with the medieval view, um, prior that is the view prior to the Reformation. The view was that uh the earthly order is a copy of of the place that it's a copy of the divinely ordered place in heaven. It's it's like a place that you're given by the sovereignty of God, and you can't you can't get out of this place. It's it's where you are, and this is just how it is. Uh, and you have to understand these comments I make are very summarized, and don't they don't account for everlasting. Roman Catholic. Uh, it's a general position. Uh, Luther's view. Uh, he said that salvation is personal. He made it very individual. So there was a lot of focus on the individual, and and people like Anabaptists and even Lutherans. Uh, quite a few people. They thought his emphasis on the individual would result in an overthrow of, of of say the medieval view, and there would be they thought that his view of things would result in dramatic changes in social and economic views of society uh. But then he separated the individual's inward spiritual experience, relationship with God, personal faith. He separated uh, that from public life and the way you live. And and he said that <clears throat> that uh, the true church of justified believers was essentially invisible and known only to God. So, it removed any need. His view then removed any, that view removed any need for a change in the way people were treated. And I don't have time to go into all the ways that was uh, demonstrated. Um, I'll just say there was a great upheaval in uh, I think it was 1522, 1523, uh, where the peasants had an uprising, and his response to that, they had an uprising because of social and economic conditions. And his response to that was that the ruler should uh, kill, I forget, he had three or four words to describe what they should do to these peasants. So so he lost the peasants because of his reaction. Uh the Anabaptist view uh said that all people are equal and uh social layers are wrong. And in in this uh view they seemed to support the um peasants Cry for relief. Um, and, and some of the people, like, uh, Thomas Munzer, who was involved in this peasant uprising, uh, he had Anabaptist leanings, Anabaptist leanings. Uh, And so the Anabaptists ended up being accused of this uprising, like it was their thing. Well, they weren't promoting that thing, but they were promoting uh, more fairness. They said when the demands of political authorities differ from the clear commands of Scripture, you are bound to obey God rather than man. And, uh, concerning economics, Anabaptists resisted the privileges of the nobility, unbridled accumulation of profit and wealth. They, they resisted usury, uh, charging interest, or maybe, maybe, maybe they meant exorbitant, exorbitant interest. I'm not sure, but there was discussion about the charging of interest. And they even, Uh, which I know we would think this is ridiculous, but there was concern about uh, retailing, being a retailer, and that is making money, um, being a middleman, and making money off of goods you have, especially overcharging, getting them at a, a certain rate, and then selling them at some high rate. So... There was a lot of concern by Anabaptists about political things, social things, and economic distress that people were in. Uh, so the next issue, the question of authority and tradition, so though the Roman Catholic view was that truth and grace are transmitted through the clergy, the ordained, uh, and the reason for the authority that they gave to view the ordained as having, having was, um, in order to maintain pure doctrine and maintain one truth position. And, and there, there was an attempt by, by at least some popes and the church to control civil authorities so the authority of the uh, hierarchy uh, was helpful in in doing those things the decisions of the popes were viewed as infallible like they could not make a mistake that's what they claimed for themselves and the decisions of the councils were, uh, um, um, true and right and unchangeable. And then, uh, the authority of tradition, I want to make a comment about that because, uh, for, for Roman Catholic theology, tradition is equal to scripture. in the Roman Catholic view, tradition is equal to Scripture. And the way they defended this is to say that the Gospels uh, the Gospels were oral tradition before they were written. It, the, the Gospels in the New Testament, it is the account of I'm talking like a Roman Catholic here. It is, it is an account of, of God's work by his Holy Spirit in the life of the church. That's what this written record is. And before it was written, it was tradition. It was oral tradition. And so the, the scripture is a record of oral tradition. It's a record of God's work in, God, in the people, God's people, Uh, before it was written down and so now that uh, Christ is ascended and his spirit is working in the church uh, whatever the church is deciding and doing those decisions are now equal to uh, scripture I don't know if that made sense but that's the argument Luther Luther uh, Zwingli and Calvin uh, they had more emphasis on scripture uh, than Roman Catholic they tried to get rid of tradition uh, but, but probably I'm trying to be brief here probably a major issue for them that hindered them was that they kept the state church uh, integrated which made it hard for them to just do whatever they thought Scripture said. Uh, Anabaptists were determined to get rid of tradition. Uh, They thought they were. They were intent on doing that, and they wanted to root everything in, in Scripture, in the Word, in the Holy Spirit's work, and in the Christian community. And, of course, the ordained were part of the Christian community. Uh, They said that unbelievers should have absolutely nothing to do with deciding how believers should live. Uh, The civil government should not be able to tell believers how to live. Uh, Unbelievers should not be trying to interpret the Scripture instructing believers uh, so I'll just make this comment about tradition uh, there's a lot to learn from history and sometimes it's hard uh, to evaluate what is the lesson here uh, I, I, know, I know you can look at history and come, come to uh, various conclusions differing views of it. Um, but but the reality about tradition is that you can't really no group of people can live without um, okay, I'll say without tradition. no group of people, all people, all cultures have tradi- traditions. And uh, no people can get rid of their history. They might think they have, and now they're living in a vacuum, but people can't live in a vacuum, and they don't live in a vacuum. And so having said that, then I want to say, but it's not helpful to worship history or worship tradition. So how, how do you view what has been? And, uh, so one, one, uh, truth about tradition is that, is that traditions, traditions are what transmits a culture's values. That's what traditions do. They transmit a culture's values. And, and, uh, maybe, maybe it's okay. Uh, to change a tradition but then the problem is if you don't have an alternate tradition if there's some value that that tradition carried if you're not careful you lose the value maybe the truth that the tradition was intended to promote carry uh, so, I'm saying we we need to understand our traditions, and, uh, and any time a tradition is replaced, we should choose a tradition <clears throat> that achieves a desired end, and maybe I'd say an intentional end, because uh, the habits... The habits that a culture has, the traditions they have, they do promote an end. It's just, I'm just rambling a little. I don't have this in my notes. I'm just talking. These are things to uh, keep in mind. The next issue, what does it mean to be saved? We're on issue number three, so maybe I'll make it in time. What does it mean to be saved? What, it, what is the meaning and nature of spiritual experience? Or what kind of internal conversion or internal spiritual experience should one have? What, what is required by Scripture to be able to say that I'm a Christian? So the Roman Catholic view was... Uh, salvation to be saved you receive the sacraments <clears throat> you understand when I'm when I say these different views uh, obviously I have, I have uh, opinions about which of them are more biblical but I'm not trying to be uh, I'm not trying to damn people to hell by saying whatever I'm saying here I'm trying to be historically accurate so receive the sacraments is the roman catholic view and and i'll just give a brief definition of what a sacrament is for roman catholic uh, catholics it's a sign through which god and the church communicates or mediates saving grace So the sign would be something like bread, water, wine, oil. And that sign, that physical thing, uh, God is present in, and he is extending grace because the sign is there. God's grace is in the sign. It's in the thing, the physical thing. So, the uh, Roman Catholics had seven. I'll briefly mention these seven sacraments. The first is baptism. Uh, So, in baptism, baptism removed the guilt for, this is technical, guilt for Adam's original sin. The view was everyone, every human that's born is guilty at birth for Adam's original sin. It's imputed to them and so they are accountable to God and going to hell and so that's why there's a need for baptism to deliver uh, people from the guilt of Adam's sin uh, then confirmation oh, by the way then of course Anabaptists said well children are not guilty for Adam's original sin they don't need to be baptized as infants Confirmation uh, gave a person an opportunity to confirm what was done for them at baptism. So it's a ratification of baptism. The Eucharist or communion, Lord's Supper, Um, their view was transubstantiation, uh, which was made uh, a dogma. In 1215, and the view transubstantiation is that the, the the bread and wine are changed into the actual literal body and blood of Christ in communion by the words of the priest. Uh, confession takes care of post-baptismal sins. Uh, yeah, there, there was a whole great big, I'm not sure that I would even be capable of talking about it in terms of penance and confessions and various types for various things, Um, then marriage uh, was considered a vocation which maybe just shocks you and you wonder what the world is that. So it was the idea that through marriage, one is incorporated more fully into the life of the church. Um, and I'm sorry for those of you who are single. I don't know really. I want to smile a little bit. So if you weren't married, you could uh, be ordained. And that was considered a vocation too. And uh, by ordained, you could join a, an order, uh, be a nun, be, help me, yeah, monk, priest, sure. Can't get my term there, but that'll work. Okay, so ordination. Ordination was a uh, sacrament and the uh, the seventh was last rite or extreme unction, anointing of the sick to uh, take care of any possible sins so that a person can certainly uh, go to heaven. Okay, so now I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about medieval pietism because this is, this was a major platform, foundation for Anabaptist thought. So this, this uh, medieval pietism is best expressed in this written work called the Theologia Deutsch, or German Theology, which is the title that it was written in the 1500s. I'm not sure when, 1450 maybe. Um, and the, the work, uh, it was the basis for Luther's early view and for the Anabaptist view. And the, the ideas, I can't give all of them, but the, the basic idea in this work was that God does a work inside the person salvation is not an external thing it's not something that happens just because water is poured on a baby's head it's something salvation is something that happens inside by the work of God and they also it also emphasized that that the, the person expresses glossin height. Uh, which we probably would use the word faith, but, but the Glossenheit idea has more. Maybe the word abandoned, abandonment would be better. Resignation to God's will, surrender, self-surrender to God. This, this work emphasizes that and a willingness to suffer to do the will of God. And of course, uh, the idea that Jesus demonstrated this Golson height in the way that God wants people to to surrender to God's will. And this work says it's a little radical. It says things like Golson um, uh, height is hindered by clutching yourself, hanging on to yourself, trying to preserve yourself. Um, and there was, it emphasizes surrender to a group of believers it uh, says that um, ownership of property hinders gloss and hype. I know we don't like that but that's what this work says In other words, the work, the work emphasized that anything that you can depend on, that anything that you depend on to preserve your life, anything apart from Jesus Christ, is a hindrance to resignation. It's a hindrance to surrender. It's a hindrance to faith. Okay, so, uh, you know, these, these ideas, maybe uh, shock us or surprise us. I mean we might see that they're kind of biblical, but um maybe they seem extreme, a little over the top. Like really you I mean you'd have to go that far. So I'm I'm not um I'm acknowledging that the the ideas uh, are a challenge, but they are worth considering. What do they mean? Okay, so Luther's view, his early view was from that work. He appreciated that work. Part of the reason his early view was in that camp is uh, he he struggled t- tremendously for assurance of salvation, and he felt guilty a lot uh, for supposed sins and maybe real ones. I'm not sure. Um, and he was he was searching for deeper religious experience. And this work, he appreciated this work. So. He he was the one who gave the work this name, German Theology. And at first he believed that the soul, mind, and will participates in its own salvation, the reception of grace. But then as time passed, he moved toward the view that man does not contribute to his salvation, has nothing valuable to contribute And anything he contributes will be works that God cannot use. And so uh, I think most of us would know this, that Luther's final view was uh, justification by faith, apart from any human contribution. And he said that uh, man does not contribute to his salvation. So even though he promoted justification by faith as a way to be saved, he still maintained infant baptism, uh, perhaps because it was required by civil authorities. So I want to make a comment about the general Protestant approach. Uh, There was a a strong emphasis on on, uh, reason on, on the role of the mind, I'm believing in the facts of the uh, crucifixion that the idea that, uh, now I'm going to say this in a fairly technical way, the idea that a person's sins are imputed to Christ on the cross and he paid the penalty for these sins and if a person trusts in the historical... death, facts, death of Christ on the cross, the person trusts in that, then, then the righteousness of Christ will be imputed to the sinner's account uh, on the books of heaven and in and it, and it um, for some and it doesn't matter how he lives after that because, because the imputation has been made and the record has been made and, and so he is saved, eternally saved. That's, that's the general Protestant view to this day and I know there are uh, nuances to that but I don't have time for that. The Anabaptist view is that uh, salvation is experiential, it is uh, incarnational, it happens inside Jesus, Uh, the the work of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection is reproduced inside a person at the time of salvation, and throughout life. So, um, salvation is incarnational, internal, substantial, it's not a mind game, it's an actual reality. So, the parenthesis, so it emphasized an in indwelling atonement, the view, which is the view that the The value of Christ's death and resurrection is reproduced inside the believer. And uh, I think I'm supposed to preach uh, the sermon on the day of baptism here in a couple weeks, and I'm going to talk about this. This view agrees with uh, the passages like Romans 6, uh, 1 Peter Colossians 2, that there's an internal work of God that happens in the heart. And this is not just a believer, a historical fact. Uh, the second idea Anabaptists had was that it required, salvation requires repentance and faith. And this idea of Golossenheit, an abandonment to God. And uh, and then I have this German word, Gerechtigkeit. Uh, I think that's close um, and the meaning of that is make righteous as opposed to the Protestant word correct declare which means declare righteous this is a an internal uh, transformation of the inside of a person that makes them righteous the result of repentance and faith. Uh, And the third, it transforms the idea that that salvation transforms the heart and life. So they emphasized a uh, resurrectionist sanctification that people, the idea of being raised with Christ is the idea of raised to a new life. Able to live a different kind of life. And uh, maybe I should say this that it's true that some Anabaptists turned this view of salvation into, um, I, I guess, to be, into something somewhat of a perfectionist. Uh, like, the, like they made conversion so radical that you could hardly sin after conversion. And so if you did, then it was excommunication. Um, which of course is a ditch. There are other ditches too, but that was one. And I will, uh, talk about this Anabaptist view of salvation sometime in a later sermon Uh, so another issue issue four what is the church The catholic view the church is present where the sacraments are properly administered and everyone in society uh, is belongs and the protestant view was similar Uh, they added preaching uh, there had to be good preaching, uh, and again, everyone in society is a member. And the Anabaptist view of what is the church is that it, the church is present wherever those who trust and follow Christ are gathered. That that's the church. Uh, there was more emphasis on discipleship, following Christ, on on caring for one another, on discipling one another, more emphasis on, uh, maybe the word would be disciplined, upright living, and only those who follow Christ in faith and obedience uh, can belong to the church. So the church for Anabaptists was not the same thing as everyone in society. Of uh, the fifth um, issue, what ethic applies in human relationships? Uh, for Catholics, uh, the orders the orders practice Christianity and live out the love ethic in a different way than the rest of society. And for Luther, there was no major change. Uh, from Catholics, uh, you preach the word and you, uh, practice the sacraments. Uh, Luther had two sacraments, three if you count preaching, uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper and preaching. But people could go to war and, uh, do whatever. Uh, I'm not saying that all Lutherans uh, did whatever but it was not a test of uh, membership Uh, the Anabaptist view of human of ethics was uh, believers are called to practice the Sermon on the Mount is for today uh One view I discovered at Liberty about this issue is that uh, the Sermon on the Mount cannot be kept today and it's for the thousand-year reign of Christ. So Anabaptist's view was that you practice the Sermon on the Mount, follow the example of Christ, and resist evil without violence. They did not believe that you don't resist evil, but that you don't do that with violence, with carnal force, I think is their term. So uh, that's my summary of the five um, issues of These are answers that different groups gave to uh, real questions. And, of course, there was a lot of turmoil, chaos, uh, upheaval, disagreement, confusion, which which I think the Roman Catholics uh, predicted that this is how it would be if we if we say that whatever has been is not going to be what will be. So there was a lot of upheaval, a lot of disagreement, a lot of debate called disputations uh, about the political, social, economic uh, state of things, about authority and tradition and uh, what's the meaning of salvation, what is the church, uh, what ethic applies in human relationships there was a lot of disagreement uh, so there are many things to learn here and uh, I'd say may the Lord give us wisdom in all these things